This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. The UAW claims that over 50% of the 4,000 line workers at Volkswagen's assembly plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee, have signed cards saying they want a union. The UAW's goal is to get to 70%, at which time it will demand that VW either recognize the UAW or hold a vote that's sanctioned by the National Labor Relations Board. The UAW started its card signing push only two months ago, so it's moving fast. And maybe this time it will be successful. But this could be like similar situations in the past, where thousands of workers signed a card saying they wanted a union, only to see a majority vote against the UAW when they voted in secret at the ballot box. We'll have to see how it goes if or when it reaches that 70% threshold. Even though Toyota chairman Akio Toyota keeps talking up hybrids, the automaker continues to put more effort into EVs. It just announced that it's investing $1.3 billion at its plant in Kentucky to build a new three-row all-electric SUV. It's also adding a battery pack assembly line to the factory, with the batteries being supplied by its new battery plant in North Carolina. Toyota didn't reveal when production of the SUV will start or how many it plans to build. Since 2021, the automaker has invested $17 billion in its U.S. plants to expand its electrification efforts. Ford reported its earnings for 2023, and the results are good, but not great. It sold over 4.4 million vehicles last year, up 4%. That brought in $176 billion in revenue, up more than 11%, meaning its revenue grew faster than its car sales. And it posted a net profit of $4.3 billion, compared to a loss of $2 billion in 2022. And one way Ford boosted its bottom line was by reducing its spending on EVs, saying it will increase spending when demand for EVs grows faster and it can get better returns. It also announced a $0.15 dividend per share, plus an $0.18 dividend supplement. Investors liked that news, and Ford stock was up more than 5% in pre-market trading. Another interesting tidbit, Ford says it now has 630,000 subscribers for software services like Blue Cruise, up 8% in the fourth quarter alone. But here's what most people want to know. How did Ford compare to GM? GM sold 6.1 million vehicles last year, but 1.2 million of those were from Wuling, and GM doesn't count them in its total sales and revenue, so let's take them out. That means GM really sold 4.9 million vehicles last year, compared to 4.4 million for Ford. GM brought in $171 billion in revenue, compared to $176 billion for Ford. GM posted a net profit of $9.8 billion compared to $4.3 for Ford. This shows that Ford is better at getting higher prices for its vehicles. And while Ford took a $1.7 billion charge for adjustments to its pension and retirement plans, it also shows that GM is a whole lot better at putting money on the bottom line.
ZF wants its transmissions to be ready for whichever way the market goes, ICE, hybrid, or PHEV. Yesterday, it announced plans to invest $500 million in South Carolina to build the fourth generation of its eight and nine-speed transmissions that can handle conventional powertrains, mild hybrids, or plug-in hybrids. The trans can handle loads of up to 214 horsepower and 332 pound-feet of torque, and it will be available to automakers in 2025. The Jeep Wrangler and Grand Cherokee plug-ins use the current version of that transmission right now. ZF also announced that it has 30 billion euros on its order books for high-voltage electrification. There's two ways to store hydrogen used in fuel cell vehicles, either in gas or liquid form, and the vast majority store hydrogen as a gas. But Daimler Truck is going the liquid route. The main advantage is you don't need those high-pressure tanks like with gas, which means you typically have more storage capacity and driving range. The big downside is that you have to store liquid hydrogen at cryogenic temperatures, otherwise it will boil. It can also take longer to refuel, and there's no set standard yet for refueling with liquid hydrogen. But in cooperation with Linda Engineering, Daimler claims that they have made a breakthrough that allows for a higher storage density, a greater range, faster refueling, lower costs, and superior energy efficiency of liquid hydrogen. And they're opening up the tech to everyone. They've developed a new process and pump to increase the pressure of the liquid, so the hydrogen becomes subcooled liquid hydrogen, which unlocks a number of benefits, like reduced energy losses while refueling, faster fill-up time, and less cost. A pilot station they built can pump out 400 kilograms of liquid hydrogen an hour, which could fill up 80 kilograms, enough for 1,000 kilometers or 620 miles of range in a heavy-duty truck, in 10 to 15 minutes. They also say investment in a refueling station is two to three times less and that operational costs are five to six times lower. This is a great move to take out some of the hassle with refueling with liquid hydrogen. But there still remains challenges with the vehicles themselves, which require very robust and well-sealed systems. There's a big battle being waged in the heavy-duty truck industry in the U.S. over new emission rules for big trucks that the EPA wants to implement. The new standards are planned to go into effect in 2027 and would help reduce greenhouse gas emissions and become tougher over time. But some big truck makers like Volvo and Daimler want to delay the rules until 2030 and they want the standards to automatically end or be weakened if certain infrastructure metrics aren't met. However, Ford, Cummins, Borg, Warner, and Eaton issued a joint statement saying they're in favor of the stronger standards and want the EPA to finalize the rule on March 31st. The companies are calling themselves the Heavy Duty Leadership Group, and they say they're willing to make the investment in new technologies needed to meet the stricter rules. The EPA says the projected net benefits from the Heavy Duty Truck Rules will range from $180 to $320 billion. Ford revealed a refreshed Puma for Europe, and it's getting the same kind of updates that we've been seeing lately from the company. Light on the styling changes, heavy on the tech. 
Each trim line has their own front bumper, grille, and wheels, and all come with a new headlight design. The interior gets two rather large digital display screens that run on a newer version of Ford's SYNC 4 infotainment system, which has twice the computing power of the previous Puma. The release doesn't say when it will go on sale, but it does say it will reveal the all-electric version later this year. It looks like Chrysler is getting a new logo. It's now shown the same new logo three times, I believe. First on the synthesis interior concept, then on the airflow concept, and now it's showing it again on a teaser image of a new concept that it's going to reveal next Tuesday, February 13th. It looks nothing like its current wing logo, and it's very simple, really just a couple of lines. Chrysler says we'll get to see more of this potential path of its all-electric future later this week and next before its official debut. Porsche is launching a significantly refreshed version of the Taycan. While styling changes are subtler, it has more power, more range, it's faster, and it has faster charging. All versions come with a new rear axle electric motor that has up to 80 kilowatts or over 100 horsepower more than before. Even the slowest model is over half a second faster than before, and the Taycan Turbo S will do 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds, 0.3 seconds faster than before. Porsche also improved the software, gave it more powerful batteries, improved the thermal management, including a new heat pump, and the regenerative braking is a little better. The Performance Battery Plus now has a gross capacity of 105 kilowatt hours, up from 93, which returns a WLTP range of up to 678 kilometers, or 421 miles, and that is up to 35% more than before. Also more than before is the price, which is up by about eight grand. The base version in the U.S. starts just over $101,000, including destination, and a top-of-the-line Cross Turismo version starts at just under $214,000. Say, did Kyle vote at GM Cruise lie to Mary Barr about what's going on there? And with the slowdown in EV sales, RP has going to come on stronger. And is China about to get into the American market via the back door in Mexico? Those are going to be some of the topics on AutoLine After Hours tomorrow. We'll have Michael Robinette from S&P Global, Tu Lee from Sino Auto Insights, and David Welch from Bloomberg coming on the show. And you'll want to listen in on what they have to say. But that's the end of today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey.